Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Ninety-nine-three WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Thursday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. And follow me on X, otherwise oh, yeah, known okay. as Twitter, at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. So we're going to get into a lot of different things tonight. and But the first thing that I want to start off with is, once again, CMPD held its uh, Crime Statistics Day. And they sometimes do it every quarter, every other quarter, whatever. And we did this, I know, back in March. And I think it was back in March, maybe early April. And it was all about car thefts back then. Then, because everything everything was doing the, the TikTok thing of stealing all, the, uh, stealing all the Hyundais and the Kias. And it was the TikTok challenge. And look how easy it is to steal these cars. And now there's been like class action lawsuits against the two car companies because it's so easy to steal the cars. And but back then, it was like up in the 400 percentile, uh, of way more than it was the year before. Cars being stolen 400 percent more than the year before. That was just the first quarter. Well, things have come back down. I mean, it's still more than it was last year, but it's nowhere near as it was the first quarter. But I wish it weren't just cars being stolen. That's easy. That's super, super easy. What's not easy is when you have a bunch of juveniles pulling triggers, shooting people, and and uh, you know going after young people, going after young people, young people after going after old people. And earlier today, CMPD Deputy Chief Jacqueline Holsey had this to say about youth on youth crime and youth on adult crime. The rate that we are seeing juveniles pull a trigger is alarming and points to a greater community problem. Our kids need to go back to being kids. They need to be engaged in sports. They need to be participating in youth activities and programs. So joining us now is Scott Hamilton from the WBT Newsroom. He was at the CMPD press conference earlier today. And Scott, I mean, those were some of the stats. You know, CMPD sent out all the stats and everything, but that was really the thing more than anything that stood out was how much of the youth, how much of these crimes all the crimes across the board is actually juveniles. It, it is, man. I mean, I'm I'm stunned. I mean, the property thing we we know, the property thing we know. Oh, by the way, you mentioned the Kia Hyundai thing. Three hundred and ninety-eight arrests uh, involving a Kia or a Hyundai this time last year. Thousands now. Thousands now, man. It's gone up so much because of TikTok. But we could talk about that in a moment. But back to your point, uh, the the juvenile arrests. I, Brett, it, it's troubling, man. 
I mean, how do you how do you stop something like this? Where does it stop? How do you how do you curb it? They mentioned today how everybody's got to get involved, and and we hear it Brett over and over and over. It's like a broken record. It starts at home. Uh, community has to embrace the children and raise them upright, and more and more it starts to sound like Sunday school. But at some point, we actually have to see results, and we're not seeing results. Where are we failing these kids, man? Where are we failing them? Okay, so but here's here's the thing, and I know this from dealing with CMS on a regular basis, on a daily basis. A lot of the kids that get in trouble with CMS that are bringing the guns to school or getting in the massive brawls or whatever, that are always constantly in trouble, when they say it starts at home, at home is their 75-year-old grandmother because the parents are MIA, or at home is having to live with an aunt or a cousin because the parents are MIA. And so there a lot of these kids, when it says it starts at home, they, they're lucky to actually have a roof over their head. And so there's no supervision. There's no one telling them to do their homework. There's no one telling them going, look, if you're dealing drugs on the street corner or if you're buying guns for $250 illegally, whatever the case may be, they don't have the guidance at home. That's that, you know, and look, you can say, you know, we've got to have parents and guardians do a better job. How are you supposed to have a 75 year old mom? This is more of a rhetorical question. A 75 year old grandmother keep track with their 14 year old grandson. Like it's just not yeah. going to happen. And, and you know, and, and let's just keep going with this because I think we're onto something here. I was at a um, town hall meeting with the new superintendent, Crystal Hill, of a CM, CMS last month. Might have been a month prior. And some of the people in the audience brought up interesting points about education, and not just for the kids, but for the adults. Because if they're if they are ignorant, if they are uneducated, if they don't know what's what's right and what's wrong, how could there be any hope for the kids? They're learning by example or lack of example. Either way, it's getting them in trouble. So maybe we direct our focuses in finding things to get the adults on track and, and hope for a trickle-down effect? Or or do we just say, you know what, that's a lost generation. We've got to go all in on, on these kids now before it's too late. So just some of the stats. Violent crimes are pretty much even from 2023 through 2022. And you've got homicides are down at this point by 16, 16 less homicides at this point. Rapes are down. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, armed robberies, armed robberies are down. And property crimes are way up. Like, property crimes are way up. Residential burglary burglaries are um, a little bit down. Commercial burglaries are a little bit down. Larcenies uh, from automobiles that is that is up slightly but vehicle thefts scott scott hamilton vehicle thefts 5824 so far this year 2594 last year so we've already more than doubled last year and and a lot of it are the juveniles talking about them walking through neighborhoods just checking door locks checking door locks oh that one's open that one's open I, you know in my my piece i did today i said property crimes are often crimes of opportunity and some opportunities are just downright criminal they're not locking their car doors and and brett it gets even more serious more troubling when you consider the number of guns being taken out of cars either because they didn't lock their doors or because their car was broken into, the gun wasn't secured, either somewhere in the car where you can't get it or in their home where it probably should be. So this is a really serious problem. It's just not people getting their cars stolen. It's weapons being put on the street because they are not safeguarding their weapons as well. 
Well, you know, and cops have been saying that for many years. The place that people get the guns the most are from unlocked cars. And because they got the gun racks hanging up in the pickup trucks, or they got it in their glove compartment, but they don't lock the glove compartment. And, and they don't lock the doors themselves. And so cops constantly say, lock your doors, lock your doors, lock your doors, even if you're just going into the Circle K to buy a pack of cigarettes or a stick of gum or a lottery ticket, lock your doors, or otherwise when you come back, your guns are going to be gone. Yeah, I, I, I can't wrap my mind around I mean, look, I'm all for gun rights. I'm all for you having a gun. I'm all for you doing what you have to do to protect yourself. But why leave it in your car overnight? I mean, if you are if you are hell-bent on carrying a weapon, having a weapon with you, take it in the house with your car keys and then bring it back out when you get back in the car. Yeah, It's that simple. It really is. It really is. Anything else stand out to you earlier from the press conference today? Anything else, John? Uh, not from the press conference, but I do have a little breaking news. Okay. Oh, let's let, oh, here we go. I wish I had a sounder. I don't. <laughs> Do-do-do-do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you knew the gas spill yesterday off 485, um, off an off-ramp of 485. They're out there cleaning that up. And it's the weirdest thing, Brett. They don't know if it was a leak or if it was a dump. But oh. there's a lot of gas out there. I went out there yesterday, was checking it out. They are uh, trying to repair the area. Um, initial reports, about 1,500 gallons. Uh, no, it's going to be upwards of 6,000 gallons of gasoline. That's what I've learned over the last uh, about hour that that's how significant it is and still no idea who did it who did it this is a full tanker of gasoline that somebody pulled off the off-ramp pulled onto the shoulder into the grass dumped it out and left and they have cameras out there but they do not record so uh dot working on the investigation um uh, environmental protection agency trying to figure out what happened but right now the focus is on getting that area clear uh trying to get all that fuel out of the soil replace the soil that's contaminated and then to extract the fuel from a nearby creek um they're doing some things there they're putting up what are called booms which are these temporary structures that um uh, stabilizes the area and also helps with the environment. So yeah, that's the that's the big thing though. Six thousand gallons instead of fifteen hundred. Well, you just you just gave me a piece of information that I absolutely did not know. That all the DOT cameras don't record. I was unaware they, of that. They're live, brother. They're live. Well, that's I knew not, they were that's live, not... but you would also think <laughs> somewhere there's software doing backup or recording it. But unbelievable. <laughs> That, that doesn't give you a license to go out and go crazy, though. <laughs> well, uh, tell that to the truck driver that just dumped 6,000 gallons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's that's the thing. Yeah, and it's crazy, man. I mean, I went out there, and the smell is so bad. I mean, the smell is absolutely awful. I mean, it's nauseating. As soon as, as, soon as you pull over, you roll down your window, you know what it is. And it's uh, it's Mount Holly Road in 485, the Interloop. Yep. That's where it happened. Um, and I went out there yesterday, and this, the ground was so spongy. And there's a berm. If you're going up the off-ramp, whoever did this pulled to the right, off over the shoulder, into the grass, uh, discharged the fuel. And there's a berm further to the right. And on the other side of that berm, there's a little tributary. Uh, thank goodness there's not a lot of housing in the area. There's a country club nearby, um, a few developments, you know, in a safe distance away. But still, uh, that stuff carries, man. And what if somebody comes through there and lights a match on that? Good Lord. I, say, I hope you're not a smoker. hope you're not a smoker. Yeah, no doubt, bro. Hey, great stuff as always. Appreciate the update on the gasoline spill of actually 6,000 gallons and also appreciate all the situation going on with CMPD. I appreciate it.
You're the man. Appreciate it. Scott Hamilton, WBT News from the newsroom. Right when we come back, we'll get into a few more things going on in the news, as well as some thoughts on the Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young, Frank Reich, all that good stuff. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen, going up until 8 o'clock. 704-570-1110. As always, that's the telephone number. And guys, follow me on X, otherwise known as Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And again, if you want to call the show, 704-570-1110 or WBT1800-WBT1110 because we used to have one number went to six lines. Now we only have two lines. So you got to use two two different numbers. If one's busy, try the other. So there you go. All right. With that being said, let's go to the phone lines, and we're going to bring in Ryan Lancaster. How's it going, buddy? Oh, very good. Thank you, Brett, for taking my call. Yes, sir. I just wanted to make a quick comment. You know, listen to you all every day. Is it? Are you putting your career on the line if you mention the ethnicity of the people who are committing all these crimes, or are we just supposed to sweep it under the rug and forget who's doing it? It's what we never do up. every who year. Here's what we do every year. Every year. So at the end of every single year, when all the data, the year-end data is released, and we'll see the groups that are, we'll see the groups that are being killed. The groups that are being targeted for uh, violent crimes like rape, assault, whatever, we'll, we'll ha- they'll have it all broken down by ethnicity and gender of the ones being the victims and the ones being the perpetrators or the accused. So, so it's always at the year end, at the end of the year, when they because that's when they compile all the data and that's when we get all the data is at the end of the year. But it's never brought up and talked about, Brett. Well, I know that we've talked about it. I know because I know Kurt Putney would make a big thing about. Um, I remember one of the years Kurt Putney, the former police chief at CMPD. I know one year he made a big thing about how it was the year that I think we had 120 murders, 121 murders, and it was something like 90 percent, 95 percent were black on black crimes. I do know okay. that. I do remember that. But again, that was Kerr Putney, so I don't remember Johnny Jennings, the current CMPD chief, saying anything like that. Or like, but, but we do get the stats, but I remember Kerr Putney actually held a press conference a few years ago talking about that on the year that Charlotte set the record for the most murders in a single year. It just seems like we talk about it, and everybody's wondering how do we solve it, but it's never brought up who is committing these crimes and how to curb this group of people from committing these crimes. It's never talked about, and it just blows my mind, Brent. Maybe, maybe I'm just missing it. No, no, I get it, and it is worth figuring out and looking at the data. And like I said, we get the data, purpose, like seriously, we get the data at the end of the year. That's when we get it. 
And so we don't I don't have all the stats on everything that's of the 69 murders that have happened so far this year or the sexual assaults or the assaults with a deadly weapon. We don't get any of that data until at the very, very end of the year. So which means you're only getting it once a year. Right. But you, you so you've gotten the data from last year. I believe so. I, I would have to try but and find it. But yeah, I believe so. Yeah. But it's never brought up. It's it's never talked about or or anything else is my point. No, I understand. No, I get exactly what you're saying, and I really appreciate the phone call, right? Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Or uh right. so thanks a lot. Um look, here's the thing. And I my eyes are so bad I couldn't tell if that was an A or O. So if you're Roy or Ray, I apologize. But uh I uh totally forgot about that. Um but anyway, look, we do get the data and it has been discussed. But the problem is by some instance, you missed that one day we talk about it. You have to wait 365 more days for us to talk about it. Because that's just the way the news goes. It's just the way the news goes. And there can be big events, and we might talk about it for three days, four days, and then we move on to something else. Like, there's an actual war going on in Ukraine. When's the last time you thought about that? When's the last time we talked about that? When's the last time anybody talked about that on the national news? And it's still ongoing. As it ended, it's still ongoing. Even before the Israeli stuff, it was still ongoing and no one was talking about it. And it's just sort of, so when something like that happens and we get the data, like today, this past tomorrow, the data won't be discussed. It won't be discussed. It's just the data. We talk about it for a day, maybe a day and a half. And then we move on to the next stories. And that's just, unfortunately, the way of the news cycle. All right. When we come back, we'll take more of your phone calls. Speaking of the news cycle, let's swing on over to the WBG Newsroom with Keith Young. Thanks, Brett. Uh, Topping our news right now, Israeli forces fighting Hamas continue to face more threats by the Hezbollah terrorist group. We get more on that story from Greg Palcott, who's on the uh, Israeli-Lebanon border. The Iranian-backed Hezbollah militants on this day aiming for the Israeli military, but their missiles fell short, landing in an Israeli civilian area. Three people were injured, one seriously. But both sides have been drawing blood, Hezbollah using anti-tank missiles, mortars, small arms. So far this week, there have been five Israeli soldiers killed and 14 fighters dead from Hezbollah and other allied groups. Israel using tanks, jet fighters, drones. That's Greg Palcott reporting. President Biden addresses the... Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen, going up until 8 o'clock, 704-570-1110. That's the numbers to get in, as always, as well as 1-800-WBT-1110. And let me see. I don't even know. I don't even know what the numbers for uh, WBT are. I don't even know what those numbers are. And I apologize. Uh, W is a 9. B is a 2, and T is an 8. So there you go. 1-800-928-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110. So I wake up this morning, and this is what I get. This is what I get. I get a text message from someone deep in North Carolina politics. And it's an actual photo 
of the Charlotte Observer. Like, not a screenshot online, but like the actual physical newspaper. And it's a photo only of an article from the Raleigh News and Observer, which is also the Charlotte Observer, which is also the Durham Herald Sun, which is also generally, I think, the Rock Hill Herald. But, and the, the state paper in Columbia, and Hilton Head, all that. Anyways, so it's an article about local attorney Bill Graham announcing that he's running for governor, or having announced yesterday that he's running for governor. Now, all of you who know anything about our morning show, Good Morning BT, or the Bo Thompson Show, or anything else concerning that 6 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. time slot over the last four years, Bill Graham has been on with Bo, previously Bo and Pat McCrory, now Bo and Beth Troutman, every week, every single week. And today, you know, like generally, had it been a normal day, he would have been on at 9.30 today, 9.30 in the morning. But he announced yesterday that he's running for governor. He did run for governor a while ago. I want to say maybe 2012. I think that's right. Uh, In a slim margin loss to Pat McCrory in the Republican primary. I believe that's correct. So... Now he's running for governor. And there are a lot of reasons why people are speculating that he's decided this late in the game to announce that he's running for governor. The new poll came out last week that we talked about. It came out from Civitas. Civitas is considered a right-leaning polling group. You have... You know, people that are accused of being left-leaning, which is 90% of the polls, by the way, just, just in all sincerity. Like, I'm, I'm not joking. 90% of the polling groups are considered to be left-leaning. Civitas, through the John Locke Foundation, is considered to be right-leaning. But they did a poll with re- likely Republican voters coming up in the first week of March during the primary, and it was... If the election were today, who would you vote for in the Republican primary for president? And if the election were held today, who would you vote for as governor in the Republican primary? Not surprisingly, Donald Trump had well over 50 percent. And I think Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley were each battling it out around, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 percent, somewhere in there. But in the governor's race, Mark Robinson, I believe this is all off the top of my head, but I think Mark Robinson was around 48 and a half percent, 48.8 percent. Something like that. The undecided was at 41%. But even worse than 41% being undecided, which I think really says a lot because you didn't have that many undecided in the presidential debate or presidential race on the Republican side. You had Del Falwell, I think, at around 4.8%, yeah, 4.8%, 4.9%. And Mark Walker at around 4.3%. The fact that second and third place was more than 40 points behind, that, that says a lot. And I think maybe when that poll came out, 
I think that may have started the wheels turning for Bill Graham. I haven't spoken to Bill Graham. I haven't spoken to anyone associated with Bill Graham. This is just pure speculation on my part. When they saw that poll, everyone was like, there is no chance for second or third place catching Mark Robinson. No chance. Unless, like I said a couple weeks, or I guess it was uh, last week Thursday. Unless something very unforeseen happens and Mark Robinson somehow, in some way, steps in it big time. Sort of like what a Cal Cunningham did when most people thought Cal Cunningham was going to beat Tom Tillis for Senate. Then we all know what happened like three, four months before the election day with Cal Cunningham. It would have to be something similar to that. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone stepping out on their wife or cheating on their wife or whatever, but something to that nature that is shocking. So... When that came out, then I bet, and there's been a lot of other rumors flying around out there, and you, but again, it's political season. There's always rumors. It's like draft season in the NFL. There are a million rumors out there. And just like there is now in the political season, because you've got the election coming up, I think, what, November 7th, I think it is, is election day. And then you've got the primary just a few months later in March. I think, what, March 5th or something like that? So, Super Tuesday. So it doesn't, it surprises me that he got in the game this late. But it doesn't surprise me at the same time, given the state of the most recent poll. And the fact that He is loaning his campaign, talking about Bill Graham, $5 million. Now, he'll get it all back. He'll raise money, and every single dollar that he raises, he gets to pay back to himself because he's loaning his campaign $5 million. He may not even spend $5 million. But having ran for governor before, he understands what's involved and what it's going to take. So he's not some newbie listening to someone trying to tell him what to do. He knows what he has to do. He knows that he's jumping into the race late. But he also knows he's got to raise a lot of money because come December, when you officially file to run for governor, you're going to have to start running commercials to all the Republicans and independents in North Carolina. You're going to have to start doing that. If you want to try and catch Mark Robinson. Period. So... I don't have the same – I've spoken to Bill Graham quite a bit over the years through this particular channel and the station, like when we've interviewed, when I've sat in for Bo or whatever. So I've spoken to Bill that particular way. But Bo's the one with the big-time relationship with him for the last four years. Maybe three years, three, four years. So at some point, we'll do an interview – most likely Bo, with Bill Graham, figuring out why he decided to run for office so late in the game. And I I would put a lot of money. It may not be the primary reason, but it may be a major reason when the Civitas poll came out a week ago today. 
and it showed Dale Falwell, the current North Carolina treasurer, and Mark Walker so dramatically far behind. Not even close. And with 41% of the state being undecided. So that, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And we'll see what everyone has to say over the next couple of days. And once these new lines which came out, like the new lines last night and today, they came out. And when they're ultimately passed, we'll see what happens. But there's a lot of speculation that Mark Walker is never even going to file for governor, that he's going to take a potential congressional new district that's been drawn and go for Congress because he used to serve in Congress. So that would eliminate Mark Walker. That's been rumors been out there for a long time, which may be another reason why Bill Graham decided to get in going, well, hey, Mark Walker is about to call it quits. I have no idea if it's true. No idea. But that's been the big rumor. He's going to run for Congress because there's going to be a district tailor-made for him, which only leaves Dale Falwell, who recently just lost his campaign manager. And she sort of threw him under the bus, saying Dale Falwell doesn't want to win. She only wants to work with people who want to win. Now, I don't think he had a chance in winning, so it's sort of a moot point. But Mark Robinson, it begins and ends with Mark Robinson. Can you catch him? Is there going to be a scandal? Because if there's not a scandal, like a major, like not, not a little scandal, like it has to be a really big deal for anyone to even remotely come close to catching Mark Robinson. And between now and March 5th, I mean, you've got what, November, December, so you've got less than, you've got four and a half months for something like that to happen. And what are the odds? So, interesting choice, interesting decision, and it would not surprise me if Bill Graham finished a very healthy second, but unless something dramatic happens, I don't think he catches Mark Robinson. Not at this point. All right, when we come back, let's get into a few other things before we send you off into the night. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. I am Brett Jensen. We're going up a few more minutes until 8 o'clock. Oh, oh, five more minutes for now. 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Those are the two telephone numbers because we only got two lines now. We don't have six lines anymore. We can't have the lines are loaded, as they like to say. We, we, lines loaded now means two lines. So anyways, um, with that being said, talking about lines... Let's go to Matt and Charlotte. Thanks for calling, Matt. I appreciate it, bud. Bro, this is the second time this week I've been on your show, man. There you go. I love hey, it. I, <laughs> I just want to comment. Uh, you had a caller that called in uh, a little bit back, and uh, he was talking about who's doing all the shooting. And, and I know what he's getting at, and and I get it. Um, but I'm, I'm a white conservative Republican, but I also 
can't deny what I know to be true, which I just looked up when he said that because my father used to be a chief of police and and I had to look this up. If you're a white male and you get murdered, you have there's an 88% chance that that crime was committed by another white person and the same is true throughout all the other demographics. If you happen to be a 16-year-old Irish kid on the streets of South Boston, and you get murdered, there's a very good chance that it was done by another Irish gangster or somebody like that. It has nothing to do with what color these people are. It has to do with what's going on in their community. And when we're talking about kids, I mean, something needs to be done. And and I certainly, you know, I just can't blame that on the color of someone's skin. I think that it has a lot to do with, like you said, maybe the family structures broke down, and that's happened through all demographics of, of society these days. I mean, there, there's Oriental people, white people, black people, that the, the family structure, the father's not there, there's nobody watching them. You know, like you said, a 70-year-old grandmother's in charge of a wild 16-year-old kid. It's just, you know, and I do understand that man's position, but I think he, he might be looking at it through through foggy lenses because there's there's crime going on but it it it's just a matter of how do we fix it and that's what we started the whole conversation trying to fix it but trying to trying to figure it out and even with your first guest uh, your your news guy um and it just i don't know the answer to it but i don't think it has to do with blaming one particular race of people well what um, I because think, like though- Matt, what I think, though, I mean, it, it was very well stated what you said, so I want to say that first of all. But what I think that people are looking at are going, okay, if we've got 110 murders, where are 104 of them coming from? Yes. So I, so I, it's not that – I don't think they're saying it's a black problem per se. I don't. But it is usually – even though blacks are, I think, 30% of Mecklenburg County. I think blacks work, account for 30% of Mecklenburg County, give or take. And when 30% of the population accounts for 90 to 95% of the murders or 85% of the murders, I think that's where, I think that's what he was talking about. But, but, but to your point, Obviously, it's not happening. It's not happening just because they're black. It's, it's their community. It's their environment. It's where they're growing up in. And you can take the exact same person that's white in the very poor white neighborhoods and other major cities across the country and the exact same thing's happening. Or you same go into problem. Houston. Yep. It's going to be primarily Hispanic or you know, in yes. Phoenix. And you go into other parts of the country and you're going to have different demographics where it is. And so here, I think what they're talking about is it. It's the it's the neighborhoods and the community that, but and it tends to always be the same neighborhoods in the same community. Steel Creek University area, Beatty's Ford, West Charlotte. It tends to be the same areas. What do you think we could do to fix this? I mean, how? And I know I don't just mean here in Charlotte. This is happening everywhere, right? What What can we do? You know, and and that's the million dollar question. Now I will tell you. Here's what I, it tends to feel like. That I always want to say. It feels like. Democrats want to say, okay, we need to fund this, we need to fund that, we need to fund this, we need to fund that. And then on the other side, it always feels like you get the Republicans saying, well, we just got to have better home life for these kids. Like, the yeah. better home life is never going to happen. Like, it's just, that yeah. that ship has sailed. 
Or, or the dumb thing, like, let's just take everybody's guns. Well, the criminals, right. if they turn their guns in first, you can have mine, too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know? So, uh, and so that's, I mean, hey, Matt, I'm uh, totally up against the break because we have to end the show in, like, 25 seconds. But I appreciate the phone calls, great, always, buddy. Great show, brother. Thanks Bye. a lot. So that's the million-dollar question. Like, what are you doing? I don't know if anyone knows. Even if they said, all right, here's all the money in the world. What can you do? And I don't know if there's a simple answer. We'll continue this tomorrow night. Thanks for everyone for listening tonight. Hey, Joe Biden's coming on in about eight seconds from now to talk about Israel. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.